0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today I'm speaking with coach, author, and speaker, Wendy Y. Bailey. She's been called a force of nature because of her fearless approach to innovation. She's been coaching entrepreneurial leaders for more than 15 years. She's a best-selling author, sought-after mentor coach, and engaging sales speaker because of her ability to coach and train individuals and organizations to create extraordinary results. Affectionately called Wendy Y, she has made a global impact. In coaching as a dynamic CEO, serving across the U.S. and in countries like Sweden, the U.K., and Italy. Wendy, why? Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Millette. I appreciate the opportunity to connect and share with your audience.
0: All right, Wendy. Before we jump into more about your business, I'd love for you to tell us just a little bit about who you are, and maybe even what you like to do when you're not working.
1: Wow, it's always a great question to answer about off work time. <laughs> well, let me just say this. I am a 15 year veteran in the coaching industry. And I hope what that tells you is I know what it takes to stay in business. That's the first thing. The The second thing I'll say is I love coaching. I love how impactful coaching is to the people that you serve as a coach. I love knowing that I have the skills, the ability, the tools, the resources, and the resourcefulness to help people and serve people in such a huge way. When I'm not coaching, I am, uh, I love to travel. I'm an avid Chicago style stepper. That's a dance. It's like um, a slow choreographed swing. And as I've gotten into my, my later years, I'll say it that way, my latter years, I have enjoyed dance in a new way because I I do Chicago style stepping. So I travel to step and uh, I love cooking. So traveling, cooking, I do enjoy some reading. I read mostly nonfiction, but whatever I can do that takes me away, literally completely away from my laptop and my business. I'm always looking forward to that because I do have some workaholic tendencies too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's great because everybody needs to take that little break from work, definitely. So, I love the the things that you said um just coming up with different ways To get in touch with ourselves and get centered again before we jump back into work. Um, Those are all great things that people should definitely look into. Now, we all love being inspired by people's journey. So, the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your journey. Now, you mentioned that you've been coaching for 15 years, over 15 years. So, what really led you to get into it in the first place? Well, to be.
1: Quite honest, I knew that 16 years ago when I was voted off, off the island, as I like to refer to it, from my uh, corporate management position, I did the, um, I guess the, the, the normal thing of pursuing another management position for about six months. And then I asked myself the question, what if I get it? And the answer was, oh, my gosh, I don't want that to happen. (laughs) So I was very quick to say, so what does that mean that I do now that I'm, you know, I don't want to go back into corporate management. And all roads for me led to coaching. The long story, Millette, is that right around the same time, Oprah Winfrey was still hosting her daytime show and she had a a show about coaching, and Cheryl Richardson, who's a very well-known coach back then, and even today, she's still very well-known, was on the show, and they talked about coaching and how coaching works and what you do to support people, and it's more than just empowering. There's a skill set to it, and at the end of the show, she actually had some links to places like the um, ICF website, which is coachfederation.org, I think it is. Then there was a, a link to a couple of other coaching sites. And I just started feasting on information about coaching. And I knew that I had found a home probably about two to three weeks into that when I found Coachville at a time when Thomas Leonard was still alive. And he had amassed this powerful R&D team giving him feedback on his programs and how he was really shaping the coaching profession. And I just, I knew I had to be a part of it. I knew it was where I had belonged for a long time and maybe just didn't have a a name to give it. I had um, always mentored people from my management position in other departments. They served in other departments, but they always came to me because they wanted mentoring, and I gladly supported them in that way. My staff knew that if they had... Um, non-work related issues going on that they could always bounce things off of me, and I would give them support. So when I found coaching, and all roads led to coaching, I knew that it was bigger than just the stuff, the mentoring that I had, I had already been doing. So I got trained at Coach U, Coach Training Alliance, Coachville, and you know, a couple of years into coaching, I found myself at the Fearless Living Institute with Rhonda Britton. And that was probably one of the most pivotal decisions that I ever made in my life and business. It's because the first couple of years, now that I can look back, I can say it. I was afraid of everything. Like I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to succeed. I was afraid to try. I was afraid to do. I was afraid to not do. I was scared of everything. And what I discovered through this program is that I don't have to be afraid of anything external as long as I know how I'm going to show up in the experience. That's what intention looks like for me. And that paved the way for me to do so much that I've done over these last more than 15 years as a coach.
0: I love how you say that you were afraid of everything. And I, and I say that because you were. A big success in business. You had a long career before you made the jump into coaching. So I think that's so inspirational for people to be able to hear that even people who have achieved a lot in their career, they still can have that little voice that tells them maybe they can't do it. So I love that you are willing to admit that that was a struggle for you.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty transparent, Millette, about everything that's happened in my life. Um, in the past year and a half, I've become, become even more transparent about some things that we'll get into and we'll talk about a little bit later. But I, I really believe that transparency is the, the fastest route to relationship, to rapport, to a deep sense of connection with anybody you meet. Like when you can sort of bear your soul and it feels natural and normal and you're not, you know, ashamed to share, you're not afraid to share, it really deepens the connection quickly.
0: Coming from a more corporate background, and then you, you said that you, you know, you saw this Oprah episode with it was Cheryl Richards, I believe. And I actually think I just watched a movie with her in it last night, a Louise Hay movie where she was one of the speakers. So I'm going to have to go back and check on that. But you got really inspired and you started digging into coaching and it really clicked with you. So you got the training and then you got started. And I would just assume, okay, so Wendy Y has had this great career in management. She's been in corporate forever. She's learned everything. She's gone through these trainings. This should be a snap for her. But everybody knows that starting your own business has a lot of ups and downs. So can you tell us about maybe a low point that you experienced while you were getting your business started?
1: Well, and let me just be really, really clear. When I talk about being voted off the island... I was let go from my corporate management position. It was not a pretty sight that I was let go from my corporate position. And so within that first year, I had a lot of upheaval, financial upheaval in particular. I'm a single mom, have been from day one. My son and I lost our home. We had to move in with family and friends. So I am training as a coach and you know, hanging out my shingle about a year after that happened, but still really trying to get my bearings and my footing uh, on a personal level. So that brought its own challenges in, in like a huge way. We moved about three or four times before I was able to move us into our own place again. Within the first couple of years, I was in business. And, you know, once I got to the place where we had our own home again, It settled my life down, uh, my personal life down, but I was still fearful. Just because I had gone through the corporate experience didn't mean, one, first of all, I knew how to build a business. This is business number four. Five for me, if I count my, my reinvention last year. This is business number five. Number one was I sold Amway. I was recruited to sell Am- Amway at the age of 17. Number two was I was, um, Selling Prince's House, which is crystal and china. And I think they even have cookware and stuff now, but at the time it was primarily crystal. So I literally was lugging three suitcases full of fine china and crystal around oh to do parties and supported myself doing that for, yeah, for a, a year and a half. I was number six in my area. I was number I'm sorry, I was number six in the country. I was number two in my area. So I was uh-huh. selling my buns off, doing some crystal. Uh-huh. Uh And number three business was sort of, a, oh, you need me to do what? Oh, you need a logo? Yeah, I can go and design a logo for you. Oh, you need me to write that? I can do that for you. So it was sort of a whatever people need it kind of business. And um that was business number three. Number four was the business that I served in for more than 13 years that I started after I came out of that corporate management position where I was coaching, speaking and training. The reason I talk about symbolically closing the business mm-hmm. is because I knew that I did not want all of the stuff. That came with having a 15 year old business or at that point 13 year old business. I wanted something refreshed. I wanted something renewed. And so closing that business and opening and rebranding and doing all of that gave me that sense of renewal that I wanted. So, um, you know, let me go back to your original question. Given that this was business number five for me or four at the time, it was very clear to me that. Even though I knew how to run a business, I really didn't know how to run a business. Like I knew, yeah, you you go and you get your license, and yeah, you make sure you have skills, and then you go out and you market and you get clients. But the real foundational building a business from ground up, a lot of that for me was trial and error. It was more training. It was more getting that fear out of my life and my business so that I could take more risks. And based on taking those risks, I could achieve a lot more in the process. So, you know, no, I didn't have all of the answers for sure, but I was definitely committed to trying because the thought of going back to be employed was just terrifying for me. I just could not see it happening. Someone asked me around that time, if uh, what would I do if I had to go back to work? And I said, I'll leave the country. I just can't, you know, I just can't. It's just not what I want to do. I'm not geared for it. It's not, I'm officially, today I say I'm officially unemployable. It's because I, I know a lot more than managers, most managers in corporations do. And I can see through a lot of the BS around the games, the corporate politics, the insecurities of other people. And I'm just not real tolerant of any of that anymore. So I'm officially unemployable. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now we all know that, you know, when we're starting a business, it's, it's going to take some consistent action. Like you said, you know, it, it took you a while to really get going. Um, can you tell us about maybe a tipping point in your business or a time when you started to feel like you were getting momentum when the clients started coming pretty regularly for you?
1: Well, the first time, um, and I've had a couple of tipping points, if you can imagine, in more than 15 years. But the first time came about a year, maybe six months to a year after I went through the Fearless Living program. And what I discovered is that I had fought, like really been resistant to coaching other coaches Because, you know, coaching can be sort of incestuous in that way. Oh, you know, us coaches believe in coaches, so we're always hiring each other. And that's very common and very typical, and it still exists today. So I was very intentional and adamant about not coaching other coaches. But what I discovered was the longer I stayed in business, the more coaches came to me and said, so how did you do this? And what did you do when this happened? And what tool are you using for that? And what are the resources that help you do this? And it became very, very clear, like like the nose on my face, that I had to coach other coaches. And for me, that was a tipping point because all of a sudden, I was the expert, like I was the expert coaching other coaches. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If you draw a, a horizontal line that goes from left to right on your paper, you might think of the far left as being the beginning stages of having a business. You know, it's right. it's starting up, it's setting up, it's starting to create business. And then the far right would be people who are really well-versed in in the business it can be a coaching business, it can be something else, but those are the people on the far right that really know what's going on. Well, I discovered that this is like a continuum and at the far left are my most ideal clients. So they're not all the way to the far left, but they're closer to the left than they are to the right. And conversely, I'm closer to the right than I am to the left. So that space in between us represents all of the opportunities I have to share and to lend my expertise and support them and be a resource and really be a place where coaches can come and I can share with them my expertise, my wisdom, my knowledge, my experiences, and the things that have made me move to that far right of that continuum. So the tipping point for me was realizing this continuum existed and, you know, it came out of my head. Nobody gave me this continuum. I didn't read about it in some book. That is my original notion about the continuum. But it it came to me when I looked at this continuum that I didn't have a choice in terms of serving coaches and choice to me. It, it sounds like I'm saying I didn't have a choice like I was forced into it. I don't want to paint that picture. I want to make sure that your listeners understand that it was just that obvious. It was just that apparent and it was where I served in a sweet spot. It was where my clients loved me. It was where I could make the greatest impact in the world. And all of that sort of came rushing to me at the same time. And so that tipping point, that was the first tipping point for me was that. You know, you've got to serve coaches and you've got to serve transformation experts like speakers. You've got to serve trainers and emerging thought leaders. You've got to serve these people because you know things that will really serve them well.
0: Success is often measured in hitting certain goals or maybe even setting, you know, a benchmark for ourselves that we can reach. What would you say has been your favorite achievement so far in your business?
1: Well, if you had asked me that about two weeks ago, I would have had a different answer. But last week, just last week, Millette, I published my first book and now I'm an international best-selling author. So ooh, for that, that is a major milestone for me. Love that accomplishment and all of what it brings to me and my business and my credibility in the marketplace. It's a brand book. It's called Business Beyond Limits, Seven Powerful Practices for Creating a Highly Profitable Business.
0: So what made you decide to write the book? Um, Was this something that you have had, you know, brewing inside of you for a while? Was it something that you wanted to put out to increase awareness about you? What, What was sort of the mindset behind you getting that book written?
1: Well, I've actually been writing a book since probably about 2008. So what is that? Nine years?
0: It's a long time. Yeah,
1: nine years. And for whatever reason, I would start the book. And I've started two so far uh, and finished the third. But I've been writing it for a long time. And something just always crept up that kept me from finishing either of the books for one reason or another. And I had the uh, opportunity last year in, um, June to go to the ICF Midwest Coaching Conference. Now, I've been to live events before, but this one was like no other for me because it was strictly a coaching conference. So, you know, it was truly geared for us as coaches. There was a quiet room. If you felt overstimulated, you could just go and listen to the waves. And, you know, it was a dark room and it was very nicely uh, set a mood for you being in a calm space. And I went to this conference and they drew prizes. And one of the prizes was a coaching session with Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. Do you know who he is? No. Okay. he's Look him up because he's, he's a phenomenal guy. He's a number one global, top five global thinker. He's the number one leadership and executive coach in the world. He's a 15-time New York Times bestselling author. And I won a session with him. And during that session, one of the questions that I had, because, of course, I was already in the throes of writing a book. But one of the questions I had for him was, what do you think about my book and how do you how do you advise me to get some traction for it? And when I told him about the book that I was in the throes of writing at that time, he was like, "Mm, that's a good book, but you need a brand book. Like you really need a brand book because people need to understand your brand. That's where your credibility will lie. And I didn't forget it after that. So I, I sort of flipped the script at the beginning beginning of this year because uh, I have like five books already in in my brain that I want to write. Some are almost there. They're the two that I've started that I'll finish but there are some new books there, too, because I'm like the queen of repurposing content, Millette, I will tell you that. So if if your listeners are going, oh, how does she have so many books in her head? Well, if you blog often enough, by the time you get to your top 10 favorite blog posts, you've got a book. And what I'm doing in my next book that will be published in within a couple, three months, I'm actually pulling my top 30 blog posts and those will all be sort of strategies or tools that will go into my next book. And so the timing of the book, I just flipped the order of publishing them around and I literally pulled from a series of master classes that I taught last year when I was promoting a, a one day event that I did a tour all over the country. So I, I share that because It took me forever, it seems like, to get one finished, but when I started it, it just ignited something that made me go, oh yeah, and I want to write a book about that, and I've got another book about that, and I can call this next book that. And I start looking at all of my content, and I'm like, I probably have about seven or eight books total. I'm not going to publish all of those in the next 18 months, but I am going to publish at least three more in the next 18 months because the content is already there. I don't have to sit down and write it. I kind of had to write this first book, but I knew it was time for me to really have a sense of completion around a book. And not only did I get it written, I got it finished, I got it published, and to be a best-selling author is just the best of both worlds for me.
0: So before we get into the part of the podcast that focuses on real action steps that coaches can take to grow their business, I want to talk about the future a little bit. Besides your books, which you are super excited about, uh, what would you say you're most excited about creating in your business?
1: Well, there are a couple of things that come to mind right off the top of my head, and they're right in alignment with the three only goals that I have for 2017. And I say three only because, you know, sometimes we as coaches make a list of 15 goals for the year. And that's just way too many for my wee brain to handle. So at the beginning of the year, I was like, okay, there are three things I want to accomplish this year. One is to publish the book, check that off. The second is to, uh, host my first live three-day conference. It's in the books, it's in the plans, it's happening in October. And the third was to launch my digital university. And I have soft launched it. It's a More Coaching Clients Sales and Marketing Academy. It's at morecoachingclients.com. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about it because of how I get to serve and make a larger impact in the community. In that, um, my digital university is really about serving the people I've served for more than 15 years, transformation experts like coaches and speakers and trainers and what I call emerging thought leaders. Those are people who have a voice in the marketplace and they're just trying to identify how to monetize it. So, you know, working with them, with a cadre of of elite faculty members sharing in various topics, they sort of fill in the gaps of what I don't know. I'm a mindset, marketing, visibility, sales scripting, sales strategy coach. That's what I do. And then the faculty members that I've handpicked to support me and the university have all kinds of other topics like social media marketing and sales follow-up and rejection therapy and scalable systems and online wow websites and looking at email marketing and, oh my gosh, I could just go on and on and on because the faculty members are just so amazing at morecoachingclients.com.
0: Wendy, that sounds really, really cool. I love to hear about what people are interested in, you know, getting kicked off. And that sounds like an awesome uh, membership site. I'm assuming that that would be a membership site.
1: Indeed, it is a membership site.
0: So one thing that coaches love to talk about, talking about membership sites, is how to make revenue. And there's just an unlimited way these days to make a living as a coach. It can go from one end of the spectrum to the under, you know, uh, people that just love to do one-on-one coaching, and then people that also just love to create, and they like to have different income streams coming in. So can you tell us right now, how are you generating revenue as a coach?
1: Well, as I said before, I'm planning my first two-and-a-half-day conference. And it's a sales and marketing conference. And the way that I've been looking at it uh, before a few weeks ago was that it was a conference. I had live speakers. I've got, you know, virtual speakers and I've got some. Some uh, webinars and some audios going on, but then someone actually approached me a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking. They said, "Oh, you've got like a live event where you've got live speakers. You've got like a virtual video summit where you've got speakers who are are delivering digital presentations, and you've got like a tele summit where people are sharing audio content all in the same event." And I started looking at what I was doing and I went, you know what? It wasn't intentional that that happened, but that's exactly what has happened. So my revenue right now has been driven by support from those sponsor speakers. So the speakers who are part of my event have made an investment to be part of the event because they know they're going to get a huge return on their investment by sharing their um, content in various platforms by uh, being part of the event, being part of the promotions where they're getting a lot of traction around their own brand, being connected to my brand. So my, my revenue thus far has been based on that and speaking opportunities. So it's what July, and that's how I've really supported myself is through the speaker sponsor opportunities and uh, just speaking.
0: Now, I want to go back just a little bit, if we can, because your answer to that question kind of spurred another question in my mind. Um, when you're talking about this awesome membership site that you've put together with all of this information that you bring to the table, and then also information that your instructors are are also contributing, how exactly, like if, if a coach was out there and they were thinking, you know, I love what Wendy Y is up to. I love the idea of creating a membership site, but I don't really feel like I could be the person to provide all of that content. Like maybe I have a really good specialty but I'd like to bring other people in so how exactly would someone bring other people in would would they want to offer them you know a financial benefit for coming in would they want to offer them an affiliate relationship for coming in what what exactly would be your advice for someone who wanted to kind of copy you and do something sort of like what you're doing
1: well there are a couple of things and and first I'm going to say yes to all of the above Let me just say yes to all of the above. Yes, there's a financial component that you want to share with faculty. I think when you're just starting out, and I'm I'm saying in the three to five years as a coach range, you may not be able to extend that financial compensation package to everyone. But I've been doing this now, again, for more than 15 years, and I know what's attractive. That's the first part. So financial compensation, yes. Yes. The second part is in terms of affiliate relationships, that's a yes as well, because I want them to bring other members, potential members to the university to be part of what we're co-creating. And that co-creating to me is like a powerful co-brand ambassador, co-affiliate, co- partner in, in how we are serving the community that we build at the digital university. So that's the second piece. And then the last piece I'll say is it really is about knowing there's an end in mind for every bit of content that you deliver. Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. And I talk heavily about teaching a teleseminar teaching a webinar, and always looking at what you're going to do with it next. So it's not just about the slides you create then. It's not just about the video you create then. It's not just about the audio that you have then. It's about having multiple ways to repurpose that so that it gives and gives and serves and serves on and on and on much of the content that's part of the the very first level of my digital university called the income starter is content that i had in my warehouse if you will there are pdfs there there are master classes that have activity sheets and activity guides and activation guides and there are audio recordings that I've created when I was doing preview calls. And that was before webinars became real popular. So I have audios of all of the stuff over 15 years that i produced. I have, you know, just tons of workbooks and all kinds of stuff for people to access as part of being in the community. So you can start by continuing to keep up with the content you're producing. Then the next thing you do is find a warehouse. And is it okay if I give a resource to your listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in box.com. Like I don't have an affiliate relationship with them. I just love what they do. So every time I uh, change laptops, I made sure I backed everything up. And then I started warehousing all of my content on box. And every so often I'll go out over the years, I go out and I kind of organize it so that I could see what I had. So when it came time for me to actually assemble all of the pieces for More Coaching Client Sales and Marketing Academy, laying it out was easy because all I had to do was look at my folders and box, look at what programs and products I had, look at things that I delivered in the way of content. I've done a, a double take on some things and that's what became that income starter level. A lot of it was there. And then building from there to create the other three levels was just about uh deeper content, more resources, more access to coaching more access to live events. So I just built it from there. And it was easy when I structured it that way over the years. The other thing I'll say is um, if you're not blogging, you're missing out on an opportunity to really have your voice show up in the marketplace. You're not sharing who you are, what you believe in, what your mission is, what you're passionate about, what you believe, what your expertise is. You should be blogging. And I don't say should a lot, but you should be blogging. If you're spending any time on social media, it should begin with your blog, period. When you blog, you can automate posts to your social media account. You can literally take the exact same information in a blog post, repurpose it into social media updates. And there you've got content marketing on its head, like really on steroids, When you blog, you're letting people know that you understand the power of your voice in the marketplace. And that means you've also got content that you can repurpose and you can include in your digital membership university, however you want to say it. You've got content for days and days and days because you are blogging. If you blog consistently and don't get caught up blogging, you can blog one day a week, Blog one day a week, and what you're gonna find is after a year, you've got really, what is that? 4.3, four point three, four point you've got fifty two blog posts. If you're blogging one a week, you've got roughly about fifty two blog posts that now you can go and use the exact same content and create a video. You can use the exact same content and do a webinar. You can use the exact same content and do a podcast. You can do use the exact same content. I'm, I told you I'm the repurposing queen, Millette. So when I talk to you about what I'm saying to you, I do it all the time and it works. Exact same content. Because what happens is we think, oh, we've done that before. We don't want the marketplace to see us do it again. How many people saw it the first time you did it? And if you do it a second time, you're going to get a whole new group of people. And if you get the same people, it's great because people need to see you. You need to be highly visible across all platforms. So, you know, so so they see you again. They're like, oh, you know what? I think I saw this before. Let me read it this time. And that happens on the third time they see it. The fourth time they see it, the fifth time they see it, the 12th time they see it, the 20th time they see it. And all of a sudden they're like, boy, she is really doing something. Let me really check her out. You start by building content and being clear about who you serve and then you're on a roll.
0: So I have a question about that. I love the idea of repurposing content. I think that it, you know, it really does take a load off of people when they think, you know, oh my gosh, I cannot create something for every single platform. So number one, I love the idea of repurposing content. I think that's an awesome suggestion. And then also, even if we repurpose our content, there's still a lot of platforms that's still a lot of stuff that you mentioned, you know, videos and podcasts and all the different social platforms and then putting it out on your blog, and that can feel a little bit overwhelming. What would be a suggestion that you might have for someone who's just sort of getting started as far as how do I repurpose my blog post, but not have it feel so overwhelming to me at first?
1: Let me give you a quick example that I think will help your your listeners. A couple of months ago, I hosted a, a blogging challenge. And my goal was to help people see how powerful it is to get your voice into the marketplace. And in the process of promoting it, I did a Facebook Live session. And in the Facebook Live session, I shared the 12 reasons you should be blogging. I recorded the video. I downloaded it to my computer. And I uploaded it to YouTube. Then I took the exact same material I had already written it. It was already in black and white in notes. And I recorded four, I'm sorry, three videos that had four of the reasons in each video. So now it's gone from 12, one video with 12 reasons to three videos with four reasons each. Then I recorded the same exact information. I didn't rewrite it, didn't reword it, exact same content with one reason in each video. So now I've gone from one video with 12 reasons, three videos with four reasons each, to 12 individual videos of each of the reasons. Mm -hmm. I took the exact same content, exact same content, didn't rewrite it or anything. I put it into a blog post, 12 reasons you should be blogging, exact same information on my blog. Then I took those individual videos and I scheduled blog posts for each one of those reasons. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Does that seem overwhelming when you look at it that, you know, you're just taking exact same content, different platforms, but exact same content?
0: Right. So that actually sounds a lot easier to wrap your head around when you're not thinking of it in a way that, I mean, at first, when you when you first say it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me forever. But what you just said, I mean, that probably took, what, a day, if that,
1: <laughs> to, to do all of that sort of stuff. If that. I don't think it took me a day. And let me just give a quick secret. I usually share this in my video challenge, but I'll share it here. You can record 12 videos on the same day, within the same time frame all you do is you change your earrings you might change your lip color if you're really into it that way and you change your shirt 12 times 12 tops 12 earrings and it looks like you've recorded them on separate days
0: that's a good tip so talking about all of these awesome strategies for getting your content out there Well, everybody's goal while getting content out is a great part of it. Our ultimate goal is to get clients. So what would you say is your favorite strategy for bringing new clients into your business?
1: There are a couple of things that I do today that maybe I didn't do 10 years ago. So let me tell you the 10 years ago and then I'll tell you today. How's that? Okay, 10 years ago, what I did was I opened up my calendar and I did tons and tons and tons and tons of discovery sessions, sample coaching sessions, initial consultations, strategy sessions, breakthrough sessions, whatever you call them. And I scheduled them for about 45 minutes to an hour each because that gave me an opportunity to sort of lay the foundation of the session and, you know, really get into coaching and then make the transition into an offer to do business with me, an invitation to hire me as my co, as their coach and, uh, finalize the, the transaction as well. So that worked 10 years ago. I don't do that a lot today. It still works, but I don't do that a lot today because my, my focus is not on working with individual clients today what I do to enroll people into my programs is I host webinars and just like those discovery sessions I mentioned before there's a format there's a formula for how I share the content what I share about um, the program and And how I extend that invitation to join me as a client in one of my programs. I also do what I call activation challenges. The blog challenge that I referenced earlier is an activation challenge. When people see what I'm doing with them in a free challenge, I want them always thinking, if she's doing this for free, what will she do when I pay her? When I enroll in her program where she is, I'm paying her to be my coach, What will she give me if this is the kind of value she's giving me now? And then I extend an offer as part of that challenge for people to uh, hire me, to enroll in one of my programs as their coach. So that's how I get clients. And I do recommend the strategy session approach if you're in your first three to five years of being in business or if you're rebuilding and rebounding and restarting Same thing, strategy sessions and do some activity, a webinar, a webinar series that gives people the opportunity to know, like, trust you, as well as experience you and your expertise. How long are your
0: challenges usually?
1: Well, I've done a challenge as short as five days. 10 days seem to be the sweet spot. And I've also done one, and we'll do one again in the very near future, that is a 21-day profitability challenge.
0: So knowing what you know now about building up a successful coaching business, you've been doing this well over a decade. I know that you have some awesome tips for our listeners. What would you say Should be the first thing that somebody should do when they're just getting started, or
1: maybe even what do you wish you had done first? The big things for me, uh, there are three, and they still carry me today. They still totally carry me today. One is you have to have what I call a bulletproof mindset, a bulletproof mindset. And that means that whatever comes your way does not shake, rattle, or roll you. You know, it really does support you when you have that bulletproof mindset. My personal mantra, Millette, is mindset is everything. It's because I totally understand that when your mind is, is elevated, you can deal with anything. You can deal with, you know challenges that come your way. You can deal with hurdles that you have to jump. You can deal with obstacles and move through them with grace and ease. Mindset is everything. So that's the first thing. you got to have a bulletproof mindset. Last thing about that, whatever you need to do to elevate your mindset, you do it. If that's coloring, if that's I'm an adult colorer, so that's why I say that if that's praying, if that's journaling, if that is, you know, dancing or doing something like that, if that's what it is, then you do it. I can remember my 27 year old son telling me uh recently, like within the past year or so. He could tell I was having a tough day and he was like, mom, you just need to color. You just need to color. So mindset is everything is the first one. The second one is you've got to have a dogged persistence. You've got to be have a dogged persistence. And what I mean by that is you've got to be so fully committed to your business that when something happens, you don't say, oh, I just need to go get a part time job. You say, "Okay, wait a minute. That means I need to get more into consistent action. And that's going to spell the difference because I'm fully committed, ready to play full out in my business. And that means I've got staying power. I'm committed. I won't let go. Can't stop, won't stop, won't give up. You've got to have that. And then the third thing that I recommend is that you've got to have powerful resilience, powerful resilience. One of the things I tell people is I built my business to six figures twice And lost it all twice. Some of that was due to health challenges, something that I just at the time I didn't think I had control over. But if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So self-care, extreme self-care, following those safety instructions, flight safety instructions that they tell you on the plane, Mm -hmm. making sure you take care of yourself first has to be a high priority for you so that no matter what happens and you have to bounce back from it, that you can step up, step in, and do what you need to do to bounce back from it so you can keep moving. So those are the three things that I really recommend. No matter where you are in your business, you've got to have a bulletproof mindset, you've got to have dogged persistence, and you've got to have powerful resilience. When you have those three things, it doesn't matter where you are, three years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, you're always going to be in the business You're always going to be focused on being committed to the goals that you've set for yourself in your business, in your life. You're always going to be really in a place as an entrepreneur that you are won't quit, won't give up, don't back down. You're continuing to move forward and then you'll see some real traction in your business over the long term.
0: Wendy why this has been so good. I have learned so much from you. I've loved this conversation. I want to finish up now with our final five rapid fire questions. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable?
1: Staying in consistent action. Whatever that looks like, you know, it can be different things for different people. It means you're doing something a little bit every day towards your business. It means you're moving something forward in your business all the time.
0: What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs
1: to develop? In coaching, we call it emotional intelligence. What I'm really talking about is being able to manage your emotions in a way that serves you and the people that you support. So managing your emotions to me is an inside-out job. And I say that's about intention, emotional intelligence, intention. It's your come from place. It's your show up in every situation.
0: Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Fearless Living by Rhonda Britton. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use and that you couldn't do
1: business without. Hmm. Gosh, there are so many. I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but I'm like, which ones shall I share? Oh, youarecreators.org. You are a R E creators.org. It is a law of attraction site. They have an app that you can load your affirmations in. They send daily information to you. That's law of attraction stuff. They're blogging, posting videos frequently you are creators.org it's mindset stuff and I love it
0: now finally how can the listeners best connect with you what social platforms are you on the most and what's your website
1: okay Uh, I'm Wendy Y Bailey across all of social media except for Pinterest Wendy with an extra y w e n d y y Bailey be like boy a i l e y I'm on Instagram Facebook LinkedIn Twitter YouTube, and there's a, another one. LinkedIn. I, I thought I said LinkedIn, but yes, yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. But yeah, that's where I am everywhere except for Pinterest. Like I'm intentionally not on Pinterest because I just never plugged into it. And my website, um, your listeners can go to businessbeyondlimits.com businessbeyondlimits.com and they can also go to morecoachingclients.com. I've got a a free gift there for them whether they go to Business Beyond Limits or more coaching clients.
0: I will put all of those links onto the show notes page. Wendy, why this has been an amazing conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Millette. I told you, you get me started talking and you know, there's no telling where we'll go.